It's time to put principles ahead of politics. This is Sages of the Sun, brought to you by The New York Sun. I'm Caroline Beek, a co-founder and editor of The Sun, and I'm joined by Seth Lipsky, our legendary editor-in-chief. We're here to take you behind the headlines, unblinkered, principled, and straight. Let's get started. This week, we'll be sitting down with the brilliant A.R. Hoffman to discuss the legal history and constitutional debate over the right to abortion. Mr. Hoffman is a reporter and assistant editor of The Sun, where he covers politics and culture. He holds a PhD from Harvard and a law degree from Stanford, and is a 2021 to 2022 journalism fellow at the Hartman Institute. Let me start with the substance of the decision, I think, um, and we can go from there, and I of course, eager to hear uh, everyone else's thoughts as well. So, you know, I had um, um, I had coffee this morning um, with a friend who had clerked on the court, not currently clerking, but had clerked on the court um, before, uh, not for not for a judge who's currently a justice who's currently sitting on the court. And his take was that this, you know, in reading this opinion, he said, Justice Alito has probably written, had this opinion written for years, right? It's a sort of pure distillation of the, of, of the case for overturning Roe in almost its platonic form. So I think in one way that's helpful because we get the arguments in their kind of um, most straightforward way. In another sense, and here I want to caveat it, you know, this is not a document that has been exposed to other justices. It's not a document that's gone through the grinder of, of sort of um, conference and um, horse trading. Um, so, you know, the, the final document, which we'll, we'll know what that looks like in, in June, in, in, in the early summer, might look very, very different. And I think only when that final decision comes into view will we truly understand what happened here, right? And why, and, and, and this snapshot that we're getting, a decision written in February, or, or circulating in February, will we'll sort of, we'll, we'll see the, how the story ends. So with that caveat, so quickly, yeah. so yeah. how does the process, I guess, work? Like, is the way to understand this is this is just Alito's opinion, then he circulates it, and there, and you, you talk about horse trading. Is that you know, in order to get people to sign on to his opinion, they make edits, adjust it, mm. right? And then if they can't get enough, that's why you how you get like separate opinions, or what exactly right. is the horse trading that happens? Right. So the court the court hears arguments in the fall heard arguments in the fall. Sometimes after that, they pretty soon after go into conference, right? And the conference is the justice sit around and say how they're going to vote. So, you know, this is not Alito just writing on his own. Alito is writing here for the majority. And, but this is a a draft of that majority opinion. We also know that over the course of months, that uh, calculus can change. Famously, Chief Justice Roberts switched his vote in the Obamacare uh, tax case and otherwise. So, so it's a snapshot of where the court was in February. And w- seemingly where the court was, was uh, a majority to overturn Roe, a minority not to, and Roberts perhaps trying to stake out a sort of middle um, a sort of middle ground. That's, I think, as best we can tell what this opinion, what this opinion uh, reflects. My friend who had clerked on the court said, court said you, you know it's authentic because it's so infused with Justice Alito's voice. 
right? Uh, that, that to him was the kind of watermark of authenticity. But to cut to the argument itself, the easiest way to, to understand this, I think, is that there was a period uh, in the 60s and 70s where the court was faced with sort of new challenges. Um, these had to do largely with cases of abortion and contraception. Um, and the court, you know, there's nowhere in the Constitution where these issues are addressed. Um, and so what the court did is it, it found in its understanding of the 14th Amendment a sort of catch-all category. And can you remind us, like, what does the 14th Amendment say? Right. So it's, it's about, it says that, that people cannot be deprived of life and liberty without the due process of law. Right. And so that, and, and so even though that doesn't specify a specific right, that argument is that the due process of law means that, that the government cannot sort of arbitrarily enact legislation that cuts somehow to questions of, of liberty. Right. Um, this had this idea of the right to privacy which informed this reading of the 14th Amendment, um, and we had, a, we had a piece on this just yesterday, had evolved in the early, early 20th century around issues of the rise of photography, and specifically the idea of your image being circulated in public and tabloid journalism. This right then sort of migrate into the constitutional arena around you know, the, the notion of being left alone. Right, and the idea of the, the the notion of being left alone was then sort of glossed onto the Fourteenth Amendment, and and the argument was the government cannot sort of deprive you, cannot um, intrude itself in these in these in these areas. Um, and so Roe and Griswold, Griswold is the the case arguing that marital couples, it was later extended to unmarried people, cannot be denied the right to availability of contraception constitutionally, and Roe extended that to uh, constitutionally protected abortion um, with qualifications, of course. Now, Justice Alito- other things yeah. have the right to privacy been applied to in this 14th Amendment sort of way? Um, so the, the gay marriage decision, Obergefell, is, um, is also partially um, um, reasoned from this sort of right to privacy. The issue becomes sort of what kind of rights are guaranteed here. And this is the core of Justice Alito and the majorities, as far as we know it, argument, is that for a right to be protected, it has to have been sort of well understood and ingrained in American legal culture prior to it being constitutionally protected. And so he looks at abortion. Wow. The, 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 no, the, the constitutional language is one of ordered liberty and deeply rooted kind of in, Ameri in, 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 in legal um, vernacular. And so the fear is that if, if something is not rooted in that way, the clause becomes unmanageably broad. And, and, and it, it's yeah. hard to root abortion that way because it was illegal for the whole time it was supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly. And so Justice Lee's argument is not only was abortion not rooted, it was proscribed. <laughs> it was it was a it was it was a it was a crime for for most of that period. But so I haven't looked into the history of it that much. I've been I've started. Mm -hmm. But from my brief reading, maybe yesterday, it was sort of 
unacceptable, but not illegal initially for a long time and mm-hmm. then became illegal and then started to be legalized. Right. So it doesn't seem like, you know, for all of eternity, it was illegal. It just like. Right. And, and, you know, often what happens in these cases is you have these sort of potted histories of these kinds of practices. And Roe did the same thing, but Roe found, I think, closer to, to, to what you've just said, that this wasn't actually black and white, right? That there had been periods where both in sort of religious thought, thinking, and in just sort of civic practice where the status of abortion was was not so as was not so so clear cut or not so regulated perhaps as it is now. Now this brings up the question of well what about all of these other decisions, right? What I called in, in the piece kind of Rose fellow travelers, right? Griswold and and Obergefell, um, contraception and um, and gay marriage. Now, here, the argument Justice Alito says is basically, well, they're different because they don't involve taking a life, right? It's just a fundamentally different uh, sort of thing. There are those who, though, who, who are saying, well, wait a second, like by Justice Alito's logic, well, all these things are vulnerable too, right? None of these, you know, were these things really deeply rooted, right? Were they really part of ordered liberty before? I spoke in my reporting for, for the piece on the right to privacy to two professors who gave me two opposing viewpoints. One said, this threatens all of those decisions, right? That this precedent undoing Roe, you can't undo Roe and keep everything else. Another professor said he thought that it was sort of, it is actually by excising Roe that you affirm whatever's left, right? And that actually the price for overturning Roe is going to be to kind of further instantiate these, these, other, these other opinions. And, and Justice Alito very clearly states that this decision applies only to abortion. It is not a more broadly applicable reading of other um, decisions grounded in the 14th Amendment. Why shouldn't it invalidate those other things? Why are those more sacred uh, in the first place? I mean, mm. in fact, they're more recently uh, protected than uh, abortion. Right, right. So um, and in some cases had been criminally illegal uh, as abortion was. Right. And let me just mention one other case um, that is in this group, and that's the case of Lawrence v. Texas, which um, ruled that the government cannot outlaw um, consensual sex between two adults. Right. It was a case concerning sodomy and and, right. and gay sexual relations. Right. And certainly to Seth's point, you know, and again, in Lawrence, you also have a sort of history of these things. I think two things jump out. One is that the practice of um, Supreme Court decision writing is, is always sort of very conscious of bounding itself. Right. So so Roe is the case before the court. Right. And I think Alito wanted to make clear that this is the only case that's being decided here. The question, though, is does the logic open up these other cases to review? One thought I would have about why, especially the gay marriage one, would be less likely to be overturned would be something called reliance. Right. And that just means that lots of people have gotten married on the assumption that it is constitutionally protected. And to undo that, Right would be a sort of societally disruptive thing in the way that prospective abortion is right. not is yeah, not right. as much. 
The other, I think, just political point, and and you know, the court always is is sort of both legal and political, is that on questions of gay marriage, questions of contraception, this is a, a point that the Wall Street Journal featured in an editorial, and um, and and sex, gay, gay sex, societal stand, uh, opinion has shifted dramatically to be supportive across almost all sectors of society. That yes. hasn't happened with abortion. Right. Well, right. the question there is, I mean, and how do you feel about this? The court isn't saying you can't have abortions. Right. The, it's saying if you want to protect abortions, you can only do it legislatively. Right. And so in a way, the court is sort of, in some sense, giving up much of its power, right? Or it's sort of yeah. abjuring its role in this right. in this process um, and returning it to the legislative and electoral right. process. And there's no reason why the federal government couldn't uh, step in. The Congress. Right. right. And or you know, is there? Or is there? No, I, I don't think there is. The question is from what side, right? You're, you're already seeing um, Democrats talk, and uh, Senator Sanders has mentioned this as well as Senator Warren, about passing a nationwide law guaranteeing a right to an abortion. You also have, on, I think, on, on, the, on the right, a sense of opportunity here as well, right? Where depending on how elections go in November, you know, you'd have an energized, you know, we're obviously President Biden is still in the White House, but looking down the line, you know, 2024, 2025, might we see something to that effect? But in the meantime, the action will be at the state level. At the on the gun control debate for years, the conservatives have been trying to get Congress to pass a national gun uh, permit law where a, a must issue gun permit law at the national level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, similar, similar yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So, Ari, are there other core threads to his argument or is this, it wasn't deeply rooted like the fundamental argument. Yeah, I mean, another interesting kind of thread is that, you know, what Roe was trying to do was not only to come out with an, it not only came out with an opinion, but it, it sort of prescribed a kind of standard, the famous, you know, sort of three trimester, trimester test, right, where in the first trimester, that the, the balance is in the favor of the woman's choice. In the second trimester, right, there's a kind of mix of, of interests. Um, and in the third trimester, uh, the government can regulate abortion in the interest of the life of the child. And one of the things Justice Alito says is, this sounds more like a congressional law than it does like a Supreme Court decision. Thank you for listening to this sample of Sages of the Sun. To listen to the whole episode and access our entire catalog, Go to NewYorkSun.com. That's NYSun.com.